Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Great. I just want to follow up there with Isabel's announcement as it relates to our city team. How many of you love our city team? Man, they come and they serve uh, with kids in the lobby, upstairs with youth. They serve in here, all of the areas of church. One of the things, if you do love our church, which you should love our church, is one of the things that you love about our church is our team. We have people coming early, staying late, uh, being a part of fulfilling um, the mission here at the City Church, which is moving people closer to Jesus. And one of the great things about our city team, it's not a closed group. Um, invitation is always open uh, to be able to be a part of that team. And as we are continuing to grow, adding the third service at the beginning of the year, uh, there's lots of opportunities to serve. Um, now, one of the opportunities that we have here in this service is to serve on our parking lot team. Um, you know, this, the parking lot gets full in this service specifically, and we have, and let me just give you a reminder, um, when this lot gets full, don't park in the, where it's not a parking spot. Uh, wherever that is, multiple places over here. We, the buildings, the two buildings adjacent to us were able to use those, park, those parking spots on Sunday, those parking lots. So you can park over there. It's not a long walk to get over here. But we need uh, some guys available to be able to help us with that team. And the other thing um, that we have as it relates to the city team is that we have lots of opportunities in our other two services. And as I said last week, the service is already pretty full. So I'm just asking you gently, politely as your pastor... Some of you switch service. Some of you get up a little bit earlier, exercise, whatever, show up at the 8.30. Some of you have an extended breakfast, show up at noon. And then when you do that, if that is, if City is your home church, we would love you to be part of our team. And again, we have opportunities at both other services in kids, lobby, young adult, I mean young adults, uh, junior high, and then also in here. So if you are um, a part of our church, this is your church home. Um, grab the connect card in the seat pocket in front of you, check off the appropriate box, and we will get you serving. And everybody wants a city team shirt, don't they? I mean, that's just a side benefit of being on the team. Uh, so you can do that today. All right. We are part four of our Dreamer series. How many of you brought your notebooks with you today? The rest of you, we still love you. Um, but everybody has got one. And the purpose of this book is for us to write down some of the things that God is speaking to our hearts as we go through this series things from the Word of God that God is revealing to us so that we know what a godly dream is. And uh, this is the purpose of this. So we will write it down and remember, oh yeah, I know God is speaking that to me. God is asking me to change that. God is asking me to move in that direction. So let's utilize our dreamer's notebooks so that we can know and move towards the will of God for our lives. So when we talk about dreams and visions in this series, what we're talking about is the awareness of God's desired future for you. And this is how God operates in our lives. He starts out with the end. He paints a picture of our future, and then he wants us to move by faith towards those things. He wants us to take steps towards that. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about family, that we have a dream and a vision from the word of God, what it means to have a godly marriage and what it means to parent according to the word of God. And so God paints that picture for us, and so he's wanting us to take steps in that direction move in the direction of his godly future for us. So this is for young and old. We see this in the scripture. We're going to talk about a young man today in the scripture, but 17 all the way, 80 plus we see in the scripture and younger um, that God will give you a vision for your life and for your future. And I think this is so important as we've been mentioning every week is that God won't sell us short. God knows by creation 
what potential that he's placed on the inside of you and the vision that he's giving you for your future is based on the gifts and talents that you have. So he's calling that out of you by showing you what is in your future. And so uh, let's not sell ourselves short. Let's not just give in to mediocrity. Oh, this is just good enough. Let's move to the direction that God has us, has for our lives. So Habakkuk chapter two, it is embossed on your notebook and it reads like this. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and as followers of Jesus, Christians, this should be our thing, this should be our desire, not for us just to create our future, not for just me to dream on my own, but I'm dreaming with God. This is the purpose of this series that I would be desiring, looking out and say, God, what are you saying to me? I desire your heart, your plans for my life. Verse two says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. So as we've been writing things down in our booklet, Oh, like, this is what God wants me to move towards. This is what God is showing me about my future, that we would know it and see it, and then we would live by faith, take steps going in that direction. Verse three, for still the vision awaits. It's appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. All right, so today we're going to be talking about Joseph, and you would not, you would, we would be remiss to do any series about dreaming or dreamers um, without talking about Joseph, and Joseph has a very specific dream. He's famous in the scripture for dreaming. It's a great Bible story. We're just kind of to go through it. We're not going to read all of the verses, um, but we're going to see from the beginning of when a dream is given to the culmination of it, and as we said week one, the nature of a godly dream is forward and up. And so as we are thinking about this as we should and as we're dreaming with God, the nature of a godly dream a little bit for us is not just to stay the same, it's not just to move backward, it's not, for, it's not looking for demotions in life. You know, if you are in middle management, we think maybe I want to be in senior management. If you're a VP, maybe you're like, I want to be a president. And if you work at a business, you think maybe one day I want to be a business owner. And again, these are the nature of godly dreams in our heart. And we see this in the story of Joseph. But then sometimes, um, as we'll see here, with Joseph who's given this vision at 17 years old, maybe there's a little bit of misinterpretation that could happen as it relates to me moving forward and me moving upward in my life. What, what could it mean for me? And what is God showing me? And another thing that we're gonna see here um, in spades in this story is that the, the movement to our dreams is never in a straight line. It's never in a linear fashion. We live in a broken world and we're gonna be facing difficulties along the way to our dream. And this is something we see specifically in the story of Joseph. So we can see this. Let's read this and you can read the totality of the story uh, maybe this afternoon or tomorrow. But it is just a, such a tremendous Bible story. So Joseph here is 17 years old. And uh, let's start reading here in Genesis 37, verse three. It says this, now Israel, now Israel is Jacob. Do you remember Jacob and Esau, the story of the two brothers? And so God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. So this is the same person. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Now here's, let's just pause for a second. When we're reading the Bible, what we need to understand that there's things that are descriptive and there's things that are prescriptive. So in other words, there's a description of things in the Bible, but they aren't prescriptive. 
They're not showing, oh, you should do this. They're actually written, described, so we don't do them. And so here's one of the things that we shouldn't do. And as we're going to see, this causes a bunch of problems in Israel's family, that he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. So this seems to be a well-known fact that Joseph was his favorite. Now, again, this is descriptive. This is not prescriptive for parents. Parents don't do this. Oh, they're my favorite. Eh, That's bad parenting. This is bad parenting. And we're going to see all of the, the problems that result So again, that's some great Bible interpretation skills for you. Descriptive versus prescriptive. There's things in there that should not be repeated. Are you with me? All right, so he's like, this is my favorite son because he was the son of his old age. So he had Joseph when he was older. So he's kind of his favorite. And he made him a robe of many colors. Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Verse four, <coughs> but his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all those brothers and they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So here again, descriptive, not prescriptive. This is bad parenting. He's creating problems in his family that they hated Joseph because he was the favorite. Now, Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. This is this dysfunctional family right here in this moment. And here's one of the things that we need to know is that we need to be careful who we tell our dream to. That some people were going to be excited for your dream and then cheer you on and then other other people are going to be the proverbial wet blanket on your dreams and have experienced all of the bad things in life and they're going to tell you all of the bad things in life as it relates to your dream and that you're never going to be able to achieve it. So you have to be careful who you tell your dreams to. Verse six, and he said to them, Here is the dream that I have dreamed. Now listen, 17-year-old guy having a dream about his future. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, there is potential that we can misinterpret our dreams here as a 17-year-old. We could interpret our dream in such a way, and and this would probably be true for most of us. When we were 17, we just kind of get tired of people telling us what to do. I'm not saying specifically at 17, but at some point, you just get tired of your parents telling you what to do. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Teenagers in the room are, yeah, Pastor Brent, that's the best thing you've said all month. And we could just think, oh, this is God's dream for me, for me to be in charge of my brothers, my brothers who have been telling me what to do my whole life, and now this is God's dream for me that I'm going to rule over my brothers, and I'm excited to tell my brothers about this. Could be a little bit of ego thing happening in this moment, and then the brothers again hated him more because of this dream. Verse 9, and then he dreamed another dream. They told it his brothers, and he said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, moon, and the stars, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told it to his fathers and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow yourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept kept the saying in his mind. So here in this moment, Maybe the interpretation of the dream was a little bit unclear to Joseph and then also to his brothers. What it would mean 
that Joseph would be standing in front of him as his brothers would be bowing down to him. So his brothers, as we see, had a problem with him. And one day, his brothers were out in field, and they said, here comes the dreamer. Here's what we need to do. Kill him. Like I said, this is a dysfunctional family, friends. We just, we just need to kill him. Too many dreams. We're going to see what happens to his dreams. We're just going to kill him. And one brother pipes up and says, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. Like I said, this is a dysfunctional family. They're struggling right now. So they grabbed him and they threw him in a pit. And they were eating a meal together while their brother, their youngest brother, who just had these amazing dreams, is sitting there in a pit. And there was a Midian caravan passing by. And so they're like, oh, we're going to sell our brother to the Midianites. And then the Midianites take him. They take him along. They take him all the way to Egypt. And then there's somebody in Egypt named Potiphar who was a ruler in Pharaoh's house. And he bought Joseph as a slave. Now, how many of you would agree with me that this is a sidetrack in your dream? That if you're dreaming about, you know, I'm going to have some sort of position of authority, it would seem like that this dream, that we could interpret this in a certain way. But then here, everything is going sideways. Everything is going in the direction that I didn't expect. And here, Joseph finds himself hated by his family, sold twice, and is now a slave, sold to Potiphar's house. What does the scripture say, though, next? The scripture tells us that Joseph, in the context of Potiphar's house, became a successful man. Even in the midst of the thing that he didn't expect to be sold twice and now find himself as a slave, Joseph became a successful man. What do we know, without reading too much into the text, What do we know about Joseph's attitude and his actions for him to become successful, even though his dream took a turn for the worse? Was he sitting in Potiphar's house and crying, woe is me. My family hates me. My life is over. My dreams are all shattered. Would that be true? Know that Joseph was operating in such a way that Pharaoh put him in charge of his house. In other words, he was acting excellently, even though the dream seemed like it wasn't coming to pass. That he was operating in such a way that Potiphar said, hey, what? You know, I can trust Joseph. I'm going to put him over my whole house. Made him an overseer of his house. And then the scripture tells us a very interesting note at this point. It says that Joseph was handsome. Something's coming. Something's coming up. So here Joseph is found finding himself and he's successful and he's over Potiphar's house even though the dream doesn't look like it's coming to pass. And what happens is as we after we discover that Joseph is handsome is Potiphar's wife starts to gaze upon Joseph's good bone structure. He's looking at him. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the things that Potiphar's wife says to Joseph, she says to him, come and lie with me. Now, it wasn't nap time, friends. <laughs> 
And in this moment where it seems like everything is a disappointment. And this could be true that when, when life is a disappointment, we can become more susceptible to temptation. But here in this moment, Joseph refused. But what does Joseph say in response to saying no? And he said, no, he has put me over everything in this house. And then Joseph says to Potiphar's wife, how could I sin against God? And see, so many people in this moment would just be like mad at God, that life wasn't going as they expected and what they thought should be happening. And I had the stream and look at this and I've been sold twice. Joseph, in the midst of this situation, in the midst of the doesn't look like the dream is coming to pass, he says, how could I sin against God? And then one time they were alone in the house. And the scripture says that she, Potiphar's wife, grabbed Joseph's coat or his outer garment. And, and Joseph was resisting temptation so hard that he just let the garment go and he ran out of the house and she was just holding on to the garment. And then the scripture says that he, that she accused him of doing the thing that she was doing, that she was very aggressive with him. And now all of a sudden he, she's accusing him of doing the same thing. She accused him, falsely accused him. And then Joseph was thrown in prison. He had a godly dream. He's been sold twice and now he's in jail. In this moment, you could just kind of, I'm just going to give up on my dream. Say it's all over. But the scripture says that God gave Joseph favor in the eyes of the prison keeper. And then the prison keeper put Joseph over the prison. That everywhere Joseph was going, he was finding favor. He was acting excellently and honorably. That he was getting promoted. He wasn't sitting in the jail crying, woe is me. I guess my story is over. Where is the dream that God promised me? That all along the way, Joseph wasn't giving up and he was acting in such a way that people were putting him in charge. And this was a little bit of the dream coming to pass. That Joseph was going to rise to the top, so to speak. But he wasn't rising to the top by manipulating other people. That he was rising to the top because he worked hard. And he had a good spirit. And he had a, he had a heart of integrity. The scripture says that the prison keeper didn't have any concern about the prison because Joseph was in charge. Now, there was two guys that were thrown into the prison. The cupbearer and the, and the baker of the pharaoh just got irritated with him. You know, no trial with the pharaoh. And just threw them in jail. And then they had some dreams, and Joseph helped them interpret their dreams. And for the cupbearer, it was, you're going to be restored to Pharaoh's household. Now, for the baker, it wasn't such a good dream. It was going to be like, you're going to be decapitated and die. I'm sure he wasn't excited about the interpretation of that dream. But as the cupbearer got restored to Pharaoh's household, he said to him, don't forget me. Don't forget that I'm the one that interpreted your dream. And what happened? The cupbearer forgot about Joseph. See, people will forget about you, but God never will. 
couple years go by, and Pharaoh has this dream that he doesn't understand, and there's, there's cows, and there's a healthy cow, and a sick cow, and there's this many years, and that many years, and the cupbearer's like, oh, I remember, there's a guy in prison who helped me interpret dreams. Maybe we should call for him. So they called for Joseph, and they cleaned him up and gave him a good clean shave, and he had the opportunity, even though he had been forgotten by the cupbearer, two years went by. And he got to stand before Pharaoh. And he said, Pharaoh said to him, I I hear you can help me. And Joseph answered, said, God will give the answer. Joseph had the opportunity to be like, forget God. None of this is working out as I expected. But he said, God will give us the answer. He was keeping his heart right. And the interpretation of the dream for Egypt that there was going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And Joseph said to the Pharaoh, God is helping you prepare, helping you prepare for the future. And this, what, this is what a godly dream does, helps us prepare for the future. Pharaoh says to Joseph, since you are discerning and wise, you shall be over my house. I have set you over the land of Egypt. Joseph became second in command in Egypt. Now, is that the road that we would choose? Hey, I just, I had a dream. I want to go to executive training and then I'll be second in charge. But this is a different type of road. This is a road that seems like a struggle, seems like a difficulty. Let's keep reading. Genesis 41, verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. How old is he? When did he get the dream? 17. And he's 30, and we're just starting to see sort of an inkling of the dream coming to pass. Think about your life 13 years ago. Was it a straight line to today? Was it? Was every day easy? Was every month easy? Was every season easy? No, but you're here. I don't mean here in the city church. I mean six feet above, like you're living. You're still going. We never want to give up on godly dreams. Do, do we have 13 years in us to make it to the spot that God has for us? Even though it seems like there's all these twists and turns and all these twists and turns that I didn't ask for. See, God is God. God is never giving up on the dream that he gives us. He's always going to help us. He's always going to give us favor. He's always going to provide us with opportunities. Here, we're starting to see the culmination of the dream. Verse 47, during the seven-year plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities, and of every city, the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up the grain in great abundance like sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured." So here, Egypt prepared for the famine that none of the uh, surrounding countries and people knew about. And so what happens in Egypt? That Egypt is going to prosper, supply and demand, right? Good economics lessons for you. Look it up. They had all the grain. People needed to buy it. So everybody's coming to Egypt to buy grain because they have prepared 
for the famine. And Jacob, Israel, heard that there is grain in Egypt. Genesis 42, verse 6 says this. Now, Joseph was governor over the land, and he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Now, when we read the, the dream at the beginning, what was it about? It was about maybe a 17-year-old with an ego saying, I'm going to be in charge of everybody. And maybe there were some brothers and, and some family members like, I'm going to never bow down to you. But here's a situation that we couldn't expect 13 years earlier, a circumstance, and how Joseph is in this place and his brothers are in this place. We're starting to see the culmination of the dream and of what it might mean. When jo Joseph saw his brothers, verse 7, and recognized them, he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. So that Joseph's dealing with some unforgiveness in this moment. Would you agree? Descriptive versus prescriptive. So Joseph is angry at his family. Where did you come from, he said, from the land of Canaan to buy food? And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. He's mad at them. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord, your servants, we have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. What is Joseph thinking? He's like, mm-hmm. Your servants have never been spies. Scripture says he put them in custody, put them in jail for a couple days. But then he let them all go and gave them a bunch of grain. And he told them, leave your, one of your brothers behind. And I want you to go and get your youngest brother. They had, they had left one brother back home with Jacob, with Israel, to take care of him. And he said, I want you to go. And I want you to get your youngest brother to corroborate your story. But I want you to leave one brother behind so they were insured to come back. And I want to hear if you guys are truly good men and not spies. So he gave them grain to go back home, and he left uh, a brother there, and they were supposed to bring back the youngest brother. Now, the youngest brother was Joseph's full-blood brother. Jacob, Israel, had multiple wives, and um, Joseph's true full brother was Benjamin, who was taking care of his dad at home. So they needed more grain, so they went back to Egypt, and they, they brought a bunch of presents with them because they were trying to smooth over this relationship with Joseph, who they didn't know was Joseph. And Jacob was worried that he was going to lose another son. Israel was going to lose another son. So it's like, ah, I don't know if I want to send Benjamin because we've already lost Joseph. So they returned to Egypt to speak with Joseph and they brought Benjamin with them. Genesis 43, 27 says this. And they inquired about the welfare and said, is your father well, the old man of whom you speak? Is he still alive? So Joseph is asking about his father. He said, your servant's father as well, he is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. So again, here is the vision being fulfilled. But what does it all mean now that we didn't think it meant seven, uh, 13 years previous? And he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your youngest brother? of whom you spoke to me, God be gracious to you, my son. 
Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother. And he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. So he saw all his brothers, and he saw Benjamin, his younger brother. And what did he have to do? There was, there was something welling up in his heart for his family. But he didn't want to show it because he was still in unforgiveness, and he was mad that he was trying to get him. But he had to leave the room so he could go cry. That there was something being fulfilled in this moment that Joseph didn't expect. So they gave them portions of food. And it says, the scripture says, they gave five times as much to Benjamin. So they should have known something strange was going on in this moment. Sent them back to Canaan with filled sacks of grain. But what Joseph had them do is take one of his servants and put in Benjamin's bag a silver cup. The same silver that Joseph had been sold for, and all of this is a type of Christ. And so after he set them free, back with grain, he sent some stewards to go after them right away. When he caught up to them, they found this silver cup in Benjamin's bag and had the opportunity to accuse them of being thieves. So they brought them back to Egypt so they could frame them. And then here, Benjamin was going to be accused of something, and he was going to have to go to jail. And one of the brothers named Judah, does anyone know what tribe Jesus came from? The tribe of Judah. Judah spoke up and said, if if Benjamin dies or if Benjamin is going to go to prison, our father will be heartbroken. Judah said, take me instead, all of which is a type of Christ. And here in this moment, when one of his brothers was offering to be a sacrifice for his other brothers, something happened in Joseph. Genesis 45, verse 1, then Joseph could not control himself before all who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. When Joseph made, and then Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He's like, I am, it was like, you know, the I'm Batman. I'm Batman. He was like, I'm, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. They were dismayed at his presence. They were like, we sold you. Confused by the whole situation. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Verse five, and do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. What was the vision about at the beginning or what did they think it was about? I'm going to be in charge. You're never going to be in charge of us. I'm not bowing down to you. You're all going to bow down to me. But the nature of the dream, ultimately, was that Joseph's family would be saved, would be helped, would be blessed. Verse 16, when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan. 
and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat of the fat of the land. Eventually, Joseph was restored to his father. Two amazing things, though, we see in this story as we finish. As we see about a godly dream. Don't give up when you're sidetracked. Don't give up when you're sidetracked. Well, I thought it was going to be like this, and I thought it was going to be like this. And it's year two, and it's year three. But by sake of illustration, you need to get to year 13. I'm not saying all visions take 13 years. That's not the point of what I'm saying. The point is don't give up when you get sidetracked. Don't give up on your dreams when it seems harder than it should be. Don't give up on your dreams when you made a mistake along the road. The dream, the vision that God had is still the dream and vision for your life. And the other thing, and I think this is the most important thing, is as you move forward and as you move up and as you move from middle management to senior management and from VP to to president to working at a business to owning one and you have this opportunity and you're standing in this place what are we supposed to do it's not about being in positions of power it's not about having a title it's about being responsible and this is what Joseph was made Joseph was made responsible for his family title didn't matter God gave him a place so that he could love, that he could bless, and that he could care for others. Let's just pray today. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. God, I just pray, Lord, for anyone in the room who's been tempted to give up on their dreams, who has felt the sidetrack is too much, God, I just pray that they continue to operate with love and integrity, with excellence, giving their best. God, we thank you for your grace, that your grace is more than enough for our lives. And God, as we continue to move to the dreams that you've given to us, we thank you, Lord, you help us to see we know that those aren't about us. They're the responsibilities that you're giving to us so that we can be a blessing and love and care for others. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. As you read there in the story about Judah, that Judah is a type of Christ, that Christ sacrificed himself for us. The scripture says, he he became sin who knew no sin, that we, that you and I could become the righteousness of God. And righteousness of God just means right standing with God. So if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. Everybody needs a starting place with God. Jesus has called us all to be disciples, lifelong learners, but everybody needs to start. So if you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I invite you to pray along with me. Or maybe you're in the second category. You feel like you were close to God at one time. You kind of feel distant from him today. You know, God is not mad at you. God isn't, God is inviting you close to himself. Again, 
you pray with us as well. So church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to your righteousness. I say yes to a relationship with you. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Come on, can we congratulate everyone who made that decision today? Come on, the Bible says that the angels are rejoicing when one person come home. So come on, let's give a round of applause. And hey, if that is you today, if you have decided to follow Jesus for the first time, we would love to put some free resources in your hand for your new journey of faith. So you can take the Connect card that's just in the seat pocket right in front of you. You can check off, I have decided to follow Jesus. Bring it to the team. Like I said, they have a, they're ready to greet you with a huge smile. Put some resources in your hand to help you begin your new journey of faith. Amen. And hey, if you're new or newer to City, um, you can also take that same Connect card, bring it to the team at the info desk, which is right by the circular staircase, and we would love to meet you and just greet you with a big smile. Did you enjoy church today? Come on. Are you happy you came to church on this beautiful, cloudy Sunday morning? So good. Come on. Would you stand to your feet with me? And just before we head out, just a couple quick announcements. Young adults, 18 to 35, don't forget that next week we have one of our quarterly meetings just upstairs in the youth lounge. You can come hang for a night of worship and just prayer and word. And as well as, hey, if you're interested in that Alpha Marriage course, I just want to encourage you. Don't wait. Today is the last day to sign up. It's only $50 a couple. You can have some food. You can enjoy some great discussion and just invest into your marriages. And like PB said, like Pastor Brent said, if you're interested in joining the city team, we would love to have you. But come to a different service. <laughs> We'd love to have you at our 8.30 or come to our 12 p.m. service. We have lots of space available for you to join the team, and we would love that. Are you happy you came to church today? Come on, so good. Hey, have a great week. Be blessed. And we can't wait to see you until next week. All right, take care. Thanks for coming. Ciao.